Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. This is gonna be really good. This is the service, the, the message that everybody loves to hate. I'm so glad you're here today. For those watching online, stay tuned for the whole thing. Um, you're gonna be glad you're here, but you know, you're gonna have to give me some feedback today because we are talking about money. So for, yeah, I know. Every time somebody says, all the church talks about is money. No, we don't, but today, yes, we are. So, um, and it's for our good. It's something that I think is going to liberate you, that something's going to help you as we walk forward. Um, honestly, we do offerings every weekend. And the reason is because it's good for us. It's because it's about our relationship with God. And I know you were sitting there thinking, as we were doing the grad cards, you were thinking, I hope there's a gift in that card and we didn't just give some lame little card from the church. Weren't you thinking that? You were probably thinking that because we all hope that the church produces well, but we send, tend to like have this little glitch when it's like, oh, the church is asking for money. You know, it's a flow of what happened. Yes, they were blessed. Actually, there was something in every one of those cards for the grads, but what we do, we do well because we're kingdom kids, right? Money's just a tool. It's not something that we love, we pursue, we have to have. We, we are generous because God is generous with us. And so we're going to get into that today. And let me tell you, this is more important, I believe, than anything you have heard in a long time because we are heading into stuff as a nation, but also globally, that is a challenge on the financial front. It really comes down to exactly what Pastor Brad said this morning on whose are we? Like, really, we either bow to the stuff of this world or we have to be set apart and be different. And if we're not set apart and different right now, we should be shaken in our boots for what is probably ahead. Um, I was talking to our family, was visiting from the UK um, this weekend, and they were saying that literally um, in, in Britain, specifically after Brexit and whatever, but the, the massive uh, constant conversation is about inflation and it's about this economic downturn that's just going to suffocate everybody. And at home here, if you're watching any of the news stuff, I mean, literally, it's so upsetting to see, you know, our news broadcasters saying things like, you know, as things continue to proceed, it's, it's probable that the next generation won't even be able to afford their own homes. Don't you curse my kids. <laughs> you know? The next generation's not going to be able to survive. Oh, yes, they are. They are God's kids. So Wayne had actually signed up for an Angus Reid poll because he's a sucker for punishment, apparently. But eh, not really because have you ever seen when they do like on the news, they'll do those like the, the balance of the Angus Reid poll says this. And you're, literally, you're like literally watching it and you're like, who are they asking? Like, where did they find these people? Under what rock did they crawl out to answer the poll? So Wayne's like, I'm going to sign up and give the other side. So this last one that came out this week, the questions were things like, um, do you agree with how the government is handling the current economic situation? I'm not talking about that today. <laughs> Rate from totally disagree or to totally agree. Um, it, it was general, a couple general overarching questions. And then it asked things like this. Are you worried about how this will affect your finances? If inflation goes up 3%, will you find it difficult to pay your bills? 
If inflation goes up 5%, will you find it difficult to pay your bills? If inflation goes up 10%, will you find it difficult to pay your bills? Do you know what the answer is for God's kids? No. No to 3%, no to 5%, no to 10%, no to 20%. Will I find it difficult to find my bills, to pay my bills? Never when God is my source. This is not about like that, oh man, Christians are just rich all the time. No, it is about we have a God who takes care of his kids. He is our father and he loves his kids. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So when we talk about this stuff, like, yes, we want to answer what is going on, you know, governmentally, decisions, we want to be able to address that. But we also need to know where our trust is founded, where our heart lands, who our faith is in. Do we believe God is who he says he is? And so, you know, for those who might feel even uncomfortable right now, I'm just like, I'm just going to let you off the hook. It's kind of normal. It's kind of normal to be uncomfortable with this conversation. It's kind of normal to feel like, why are we talking about this in church? But here's the thing. I have literally found lately with all the stuff that's going on in every part of society, I just, I find such radical joy in knowing that I am in the world, but I'm not of it. I literally, I, I like, li Wayne and I were literally talking this morning. I'm like, I can't wait for church today. I just love being in the house of God. We're talking to our family, talking about the stuff that God's doing. Like, show of hands, how many of you have been healed in the last six to eight weeks? Look around. Come on. So our medical system's falling apart. How many of you had God provide for you in the last six to eight weeks? Look around. So our economic system is failing. Come on. How many of you have had some freedom happen on the inside of your heart and you've let go of some issues? Yeah. Come on. Look around you. Our mental health system is falling. God's systems are not falling apart. Right? Come on. Kingdom systems are not falling apart. We either sit there in the world system and we try and pep talk ourselves up with a few little bonus scriptures from time to time, my daily encouragement, or we go, you know what? I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I'm living on the kingdom life. I'm feeding on his faithfulness. I'm living in his goodness. He's my source and I trust him completely. Come on. Are you with me? Yep. So let's go into this today. I want to give you some scriptures that are going to help you know how to answer this. But I believe as we walk forward, we have to know where our hope is founded. Otherwise, every time, come on, every time the interest rate goes up, which is happening like, I don't know, it feels like it's every second Friday, but like, interest rates going up, interest rates are going up, interest rates are going up. We will not be moved, right? We will not be moved. And I know that's hard. We're, we're dealing with post-COVID stuff. We're dealing with like the, the backlog of finances. We're dealing with people who have had like limitations. Some of us have been laid off for extended periods of time. It doesn't change that God's our source. We don't know what's coming. We don't know if we're moving into a massive global recession, but it doesn't change God's provision. Do you know that there is a scripture that specifically talks about Isaac sowing in a time of famine and reaping a hundredfold in the same year? That is freakish principles, but it's God's stuff. It's not natural wisdom, it's kingdom wisdom. So we wanna walk in that, we wanna live in that thing. 
So one of the things that we need to understand is, and the topic or the title for our message today is Money Talks. Money talks. Money has something that it says, and we also have to have the money talks. So it's kind of a double thing here. But last week, uh, Pastor George actually mentioned when he did the offering, the story from Acts 10, where it says that um, there was this thing where the Gentiles hadn't yet had the revelation of Jesus. They hadn't yet come into the the place of knowing um, Christianity. They hadn't been filled with the Spirit yet. And so God came through a messenger. with There was an angelic encounter. There was a message from heaven that said that his money had spoken or the gifts that he had given. In specific, it says, In Acts 10.31, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms or your gifts to the poor have been remembered in the sight of God. In other words, the word has been remembered or is a memorial. It's a reminder or a record has come before God that you have given, that you have tied into a kingdom system and your money is actually talking. It's actually saying something before God, which is an interesting thing. There's another chunk, if you want to study it, in James chapter 5, very good passage, but it talks about how, um, you know, when we're bound by hanging on to our finances, we're gripping it so tight, it comes before God, and it talks specifically about people who had uh, withheld wages, they had overworked people and underpaid them, and it literally says, your wages cry out to God. The wages that have been withheld cry out to God. The money is talking. The money is actually, it's just, the money is the tool, but it's bringing a message before God. So God cares about our track record with finances. It's not all about money, but money is like an indicator light of what's really going on in the heart. And this is the huge thing. Merriam-Webster actually says uh, the, the, the phrase money talks is used to say that money has a strong influence on people's actions or decisions. Money has a strong influence on people's actions or decisions. So it's saying that even in the, the natural system, money is going to dictate something. It's going to talk. It's going to direct traffic in your life. So as we celebrated today, we've do- talked about these grads, there is such a, such a pull, you know, to say these high school grads, as they're coming out, how are they ever going to afford college? How are they ever going to afford a home? How are they ever going to afford a car? Money talks. If we're connected to what God is saying, there will always be provision. Our post-secondary graduates, how will they ever find a position? There's, there's health care cuts, there's, you know, resources are limited in this area and that area. Well, money talks. There's this thing when we are connected to God's supply chain that there is actually no limitation. It doesn't mean that we're better than, it means that we're operating in a different system. Have you ever had that thing where you're like, you're like maybe in high school or whatever, and there was that kid that could always say yes to everything because they had daddy's credit card? You're like, well, it must be nice for you. We have to understand as kingdom kids, God does not see finances as a limitation. It's more about his will and his purposes and his intentions. If he wants us to be somewhere to do something, he will find a way to make it happen. it's, It's not a limitation for him. God's not on a budget. It's about a heart connection. And so we want to lean into that a little bit. 
It's interesting when people say, well, you know, the church talks about money all the time. We actually don't. But turns out the Bible does. Do you know it's the second highest topic in the Bible? From beginning to end, if you combine, you talk about specifically money, uh, wealth, gold, silver, treasures, it adds up to being the second highest named topic in the Bible. Bizarre because God doesn't need our money. He already owns everything. So why is he bringing it up so much? Totally about our heart. It is the indicator light of what is going on on the inside. Hebrews 13, 5 in the Amplified is this cool passage that breaks down for us what this looks like. It says, let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money. It does not say let it be free of money because money is just a tool. Let it be free of the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. It doesn't mean you can't have earthly possessions. It means you're not sitting there thinking about it all the time. I just have to have it. And be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. So whether you've got a lot or whether you've got a little, it's about the heart response right now. How am I responding to life and to God in this moment? Am I good with him? For he, God, gave himself, uh, himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. So I will not, in fact, it goes on. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. This, this promise from God is like, don't let the love, the craving, the pursuit for money mess with your heart, mess with your head, be content in the place you are, because I will never leave you without. These phrases that are, are current things, you know, these... these um, questionnaires have, you know, will you have trouble paying your bills? No, God's going to take care of me. Will you be unable to feed your family? No, God's going to take care of us. Will you be unable to have a roof over your head? No, God's going to take care of us. Will you have a Lexus in the driveway? No guarantees. <laughs> like, let's be clear. I'm not talking about that we all have to have a jet thing. I'm saying God is our source and there should not be an ongoing panic in our heart. We don't watch the news and freak out. We watch the news and go, wow, we're going to pray and thank God we have a source that's outside of this. He will not leave me. He will not fail me. It's ultimately his thing. There's uh, one, one breakdown that says ultimately money has three components. It is first physical or electronic, so it's actually the tangible side of it. There's a second component, which is the system that governs it, like the, the banking system, the Canadian economy, the American economy, you know, whatever. Thirdly, it is the spirit connected to it and supporting it. The spirit connected to it and supporting it. And we want to make sure that we're operating. The tool stays the same. The Canadian economy stays the same, whatever. But the spirit behind what we're partnering with, we want to partner with what God is saying and what God is doing. Money, wealth, however you want to break it down, some people separate it quite a bit, is just a tool used by two different focuses and forces. God's interest in finances has nothing, catch this, nothing to do with money itself. 
everything to do with the affection behind it. His questions, his instructions, his guidance about money asks the question, who has your heart? The answer to that question will dictate the results of our life. It will dictate what happens as we go forward. Um, Last week, we talked about the rich young ruler who Jesus called. He said, sell everything you've got, leave it all, and follow me. And we talked about how Jesus never said that to everybody. He said it specifically to him. And he was calling him to be a disciple. He was calling him to witness the miracles, to walk with him, to experience the fullness of God. And his answer was, he went away sad because he had a lot. How messed up is that? The question that was presented to him wasn't really about money. It was, can I have your whole heart? Are you ready to give up everything and follow me? When we talk about kingdom finances, we talk about kingdom money, we need to understand it's not super holy to have a lot and it's not super holy to have none. And there have been different religious streams that have said poverty is holiness. There is no kingdom background for that. There's also streams that say, oh, if you're walking in God, you're going to have just millions of dollars. You should have everything. There is really no solid biblical proof for that either. What we have is what God intends for us to have. We are called to be blessed. We have enough to bread to eat, seed to sow, and enough to give to every good work. So wherever God calls you to be in the spectrum of that, he is the source. He is the supply. And his house will never... You know, I just don't believe that this church will ever close because we can't pay the bills. We can't keep the lights on. I just believe that's just... It will never happen. Whatever God intends for us to do and be, he will provide for as long as we're walking in this partnership with him. So the indicator, this financial indicator with the finances, it's bringing us down to two key things. Money will become a witness of, A, the source of our life, where it comes from, who I trust, where I run, and the treasure of my life what I value, where my life is spent, and my direction. So those two things, this, when we're talking about money, this is what God is actually interested in. It's the witness of, the source of my life, who do I think is the source? Where do I run when there's a need? Where, do, where does my heart lean towards? And the treasure of my life, what do I value? What, what am I putting my, my treasure on? What am I uh, spending my life on? Where is the direction of what I'm going towards? These things are indicated in money, which is super interesting. I find it very interesting that uh, Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, now we'd have to match that up to Bill Gates right now or Elon Musk, but I think still he's the richest man that ever lived. Uh, When he could have anything from God, he asked for wisdom, right? And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm also going to give you abundance. I'm also going to bless you and give you riches and all these other things. Because he had the wisdom to steward it properly. His heart was right before God. He wasn't just asking for money. He wasn't just asking for stuff. So let's break into this a little bit. Who is the source of my life? Who is the source of my life? Knowing that money is just a tool, but it's governed by something or aligned with something behind it. Money's just the tool. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19 is one of my favorite passages on the financial thing because it really breaks down some of the major stuff for us that we question, some of the stuff that we argue about in church circles. It says, as for the rich in this world, and it doesn't say 
They shouldn't be. You should chastise them. They should totally be poor. It says, as for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud or arrogant and contemptuous of others. In other words, make sure that their heart is right. If they've been blessed with a lot, if they've been, they've been given a lot, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches. That is the key. Nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches. Don't put your whole thing in, well, you know what? I've got 10,000 in the bank, so I think I'm good for the next few months. I feel so much better. It's not, it's not meant to be the place where we put our hope. It's supposed to be in God. So we don't put our hopes out on certain riches, but on God who richly and ceaselessly provides, for, provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Oh, we should just be suffering. We should just be on a bread and water basic. You know, we really just, we need to have, no, God provides us beautiful things. He, he blesses his kids. He enjoys to give good gifts to his kids for our enjoyment, not for our infection. Charge them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be liberal and generous of heart, ready to share with others. This basic thing, this pull that God's saying, he's not saying, you know, if somebody is rich, this is the thing where the rich young ruler, it was a heart issue. He was the only person that was ever told to sell it all. But for everybody else, if you have been given much, much is required. That you be generous, that you bless. That's the fun of it. When we step out of the the worldly system and we step into the kingdom system and God says, bless somebody, it's so fun because it came from him and it goes out and it goes to somewhere that he wants it to go. And God just continues to source us as he can trust us with the blessing. So don't trust in uncertain riches. Do trust in God who gives. It doesn't say be happy to do without. It says identify your source. Do not trust in uncertain riches. It's specifically the meaning of that word is to expect or have hope in or confidence in. Don't expect in or have hope in or confidence in riches. Why? When the money fails, when the system fails, when the stuff of life fails, our hope is gone. When our hope is in God who never fails, who always supplies, who is the source, we're unshakable. We're unmovable. There is always something to partake in in him. So the question is, where is our trust? Where is our hope? Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Catch that. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Specifically, we're talking about the tithe here. We're talking about that first 10%. And some people are like, I can't even believe it. The church is asking for 10% of my income. No, the church is not asking for 10% of your income. God says, if you will commit yourself, your finances to me, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. 
God is saying, I want to be your source. I want you to partner with me in the finances. It's not about getting something from you. It's about creating a space to get something to you. It's about releasing the finances to you. It's, it's this thing that God invites us into the partnership with, I want to be your source and I will not fail. I will not let you down. I will not let you starve. I will not let you do without. There might be some hard times. Sometimes we go through some wilderness periods, but God will always be faithful to his word. And so we're partnering with that. Honor the Lord with your possessions. The word honor there is the word kabod. And it's the same thing when we, we talk about worship and we're honoring the Lord and the weight, the kabod of his glory fills the space. It's the weight. There's a presence that comes with this partnership, with this agreement. The word kabod means weight or tangible honor. So when we are honoring the Lord with our first fruits, we are allowing the weight of provision to rest on him. Isn't that good? When we are honoring the Lord with our first fruits, we are letting the weight of provision rest on him. Some of you who have been sitting up at night with your calculator trying to figure out your debt ratio and how you're possibly going to survive, this is a life-giving statement. Honoring the Lord with your finances allows him to carry the weight of your provision. It's way too heavy for me. It's way too heavy for you. We cannot, it, when you go in and you're like, um, okay, so apples, which are like a basic around, they're $3.50 a pound or $4 a pound or whatever. Apparently fuel right now in uh, BC, I don't know if anybody's traveled there right, lately, it's up to like two seventy a liter. If we're in the world system, that's panic. If we're in God's system, it's like, Lord, how are you going to provide? I can't wait to see how you're going to do this. But I believe, I believe you can provide. Do you know, my, my father-in-law tells a story. They um, lived in high level for years. They had like one of those big old cars. What kind was it, babe? I don't know. Big car. They had eight kids and everybody fit in the car pr pretty much. So pre-seat belts, pre-car seats, whatever. I think basically it was like if you have an accident, you're all just so squished in there, nothing's moving anyway. But, um, but he talks about, you know, one day they were driving. It was late at night. They'd gotten away late and they're driving and they were running out of gas. And literally the Lord provided for them. The gas was extended. The gas was, was what it needed to be. Um, I, I think somebody showed up there was like somebody showed up with like a jerry can or whatever, and they looked in the rearview mirror and the person disappeared. Um, we were driving with, uh, we did a missions trip just kind of up north. Um, a few years ago, one of the intercessors was riding with me and we had underestimated how long the journey was, hadn't got gas before we'd left. And all of a sudden my, my uh, Gaslight starts going on and she's like looking at the how far to the next town thing and she starts panicking. She grabs the dash and she starts praying in tongues. Because it's way further than my indicator is showing that we should be able to go. We got to the next town and the, my dial had never moved. My gauge had never moved. I'm just saying, like, when we're in God's system of provision, like, think outside the box. We got to think outside of what does the bank tell us? What does the system tell us? What does the kingdom provide? We have to get into that place where we're looking at him and we know we put the weight of our provision on him. 
Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18. And I'd love for you, if you're, if you're working this out, read the whole of Deuteronomy 8 because it's super helpful. But in this particular uh, portion, it's talking about that when you get to the promised land, when you're blessed, when you're doing, you're doing really, really well, you're going to be tempted to go in the wrong direction in your mind. And he says, you know, when you, basically when you get in blessing, your heart becomes lifted up and you forget the provision of God. And then it says in verse 17, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the power to get wealth. I quote this all the time. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God doesn't just give you the power to make wealth so that you can have tons and other people can have nothing. It is a proof of the covenant that he has with his people. It's proof to those around us that we are in covenant with God, that he blesses, that he takes care, that he supplies. When people ask you, why aren't you freaking out right now? It should be because I know that it's God who gives me the ability to make wealth. Everything that I have, every stick of furniture in my house, every piece of bread on the counter, that mustard in the fridge, that last little bit of shampoo that I'm believing is going to hang on till the end of the month so I can buy another bottle. It all came from him in the first place. He can stretch it. He can send somebody with more. He can send me money. I don't really care, but whatever it is, it's he who gives me the ability to make wealth and I'm okay on the inside because this is my covenant with him. Come on. Why do we talk about money in the church? Because of this. From the very beginning, God wanted us to know he's our source. He's our supply. You are not the source. He may grace you. He may call you. He may instruct you to take on two, three jobs. And there might be a season for that. And when the grace lifts, you'll know because you are dead tired. It's like, I can't do this anymore. God will let you know when there's something to shift. There are times when he tells you to give away stuff. And you're like, we don't have anything like, how can, how can we give? We don't have enough as it is. God's like, if you don't have enough bread for eating, then it must be seed for sowing. Put it in the ground. Give it where it needs to go so I can multiply it, so I can increase it. God is faithful to his word. We have over and over again, we've, we've talked about, you know, God doesn't just care that you, you just have, you know, the, the, bread in your belly, that kind of thing. When I came on to work at the church um, the very first time, so for those who don't know, I was the worship pastor for 12 years before, and, uh, and left my day job. And we started, Wayne was working in the oil patch, but a very starting position. And so we were dependent on the two incomes for sure. And we had promised our kids, we're saving up, someday we're going to Disneyland. We're going to go to Disneyland and it's going to be so fun. Pipe dream, like we'd never flown anywhere, ever. And so, you know, this was going to be the thing. And so then the opportunity came up to work at the church, and it was a volunteer staff position. Um, those things are not super fun. Some of you have had them. Some of you will have them. But for a season, God asked us to just trust him, and we're like, we actually don't know how we will pay the bills every month. Like, we were going to be hundreds of dollars short every single month. Somehow or another, and it was just weird little things that would show up, like little checks that came in the mail, or people would bring us you know, stuff, whatever, bless us in some way. But for months and months and months, we never did without. Like we kept, there kept being enough. And we were just like, praise God. Like he's, this is so awesome. Because God told us, if you take care of my house, I'll take care of yours. 
And so this was the big decision was stepping into this relationship with God and okay, he's calling us to, to partner with the church. And so we were just so excited about this. And then out of the blue, when we were supposed to be taking this trip to Disneyland with our kids, out of the blue, Wayne gets called into the office and they were, his bosses were just like, we've really noticed the extra work you've been putting in. Um, we wanted to just make sure that you get an extra bonus this year. And it was the full amount of the trip that we had planned. I know, come on now. It paid for the food, it paid for the flights, it paid for the hotels, like not even like super budget either. It was super nice. And, and every meal we sat there and went, God cares about us. What I felt about it wasn't that God cared that our kids went to Disneyland. He cared that we were able to keep our promise as parents. God cares about your life. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your children. He cares about your family. I am not, please note this for the record. I am not saying if you give to God, he's sending everybody to Disneyland. <laughs> Disclaimer on that. I am saying though, he knows what your heart needs. He knows who you are. He knows what's going on on the inside of you. And he loves you. He loves your kids. He has a plan for you. So this was our thing. We put the weight of provision on him and he did good. That is God. So that is the provision. It's this thing that when we're tempted to say, I did this myself, I've been working so hard. Just try it with a sprained ankle. Just try it with a broken finger. Just try it with broken lung capacity. Just try it with a heart murmur. Just try it with your own physical, natural strength. When God keeps you strong and healthy enough to show up at work, it is God who gave you the ability to make wealth. And every paycheck, every dollar belongs to him. He only asks for 10% so that we can partner with him in the overflow. So that we have bread for eating, seed for sowing, and enough to give to every good work. Secondly then, what is the treasure of my life? If that's the provision, that's the stuff that, that he leads us into first. What is the source of my life? It's got to be God. What is the treasure of my life? And this is where it gets a little bit funky. What do I value? What is the focus? What is the pursuit of my life? And we're familiar with this passage, but I want you to really catch this when we're talking about finances. I believe that as we're walking into this moment, see, for everybody who has a story of God provided something, somebody brought groceries, somebody paid for my gas, somebody paid for, you know, pay my heating bill. Um, all the stuff that happens with the love fund in church, most who give to that never know who it goes to, but the people who receive from it certainly do. And, and when it's, it's covering those necessities, those things, but for every person who receives something, somebody gave something. It's this thing where we get to be part of a bigger picture. We get to, so like, I, I can't wait to go. I hope I get to teach at the, the Bible school in the Philippines. I can't wait to just be in that classroom. And I hope we got to, you know, partner with paying for that. That's, that's just super fun. They bless us. We get to bless them. We get to be part of this kingdom thing. But as the world gets into deeper and deeper and deeper distress, to be part of a system of God, a kingdom system where every need is met, is just delightful. Like it's so fun to walk around and look for opportunities to give. It's way more fun to give. It's way more fun just to look. But if we're like, I worked hard for this, this is mine, all I have is mine, I don't know when the next one's coming, we miss out on the joy. And so the treasure has to be evaluated. What is the treasure of my heart? Matthew 6, 19 to 21 says, do not lay out for yourselves treasure on earth where must and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, 
But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither must nor, uh, moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. So if my treasure, if what I value is all earthly stuff, then that's where my desire is. That's where my pursuit is. That's where I go. And I'm just going to, you can disagree with me on end times theology, but I do believe we need to be wise. We need to be, um, you know, careful with, with, with what we do, how we prepare for things. But when Jesus talked about the end times, when we see, you know, that there's going to be hard times, whatever, there is really no instruction about digging a cave underground, making sure you have eight years of supplies, make sure that you can hoard it all, pick your top 10 people to stay in there with you. He does not say that. He says that there's going to be hard times coming, but he also says, give, 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 so bless, give, 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 serve, give, give, bless, so give. Everything about the kingdom is an outflow. We are not hoarders. We are not hoarders, okay? So if you have a little bit of a safety net, that's, that's good. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have. I'm just saying the church should not be a bunker where we ride out something and let everybody else just go to hell. Like that's not the plan. The plan is we give, we serve, we love, we pour out. We are the blessing. We carry the blessing, right? What we value then, let's just walk this through. Value determines focus. Focus determines action, and action determines outcome. So essentially, if we skip the middle part, value determines the outcome. What we value will determine our focus, and what we focus on will determine the actions that we take, and our actions will determine the outcome. So if we value the things of the kingdom, we value his presence in our life, we value to love and, and be loved, if we value the purposes of God being enacted in us, if we value seeing a move of the Spirit, seeing salvations, miracles, healings, provisions, if we value that, that needs to be our focus. Not, oh my goodness, the interest rates, what today? Oh my God, I don't know if we could do that. We're going to have to, like, I know that, I know that we're doing some special projects and there's, there's people, but I mean, our, my action is we really need to, if we have anything left over at the end of this, then, then we'll give that, but we just really need to make sure that we've, we, you know, we've covered our bases and, and the outcome will be, we lack the fruit. If we value what the kingdom is valuing then our focus will be determining our action and the action will produce the outcome that heaven has intended all along. I'm telling you in this season, the weirder it gets out there, the clearer it needs to get in here where we understand this is what God says. This is who he says I am. This is what he says I can do. And I, I mean, I'm telling you that the, the, even when we read the book of Acts and we see how Philip was transported from one location to another, I haven't experienced time travel yet, but right now I'd rather not worry about what's happening at the airports. I'd rather focus on if God wants me to go somewhere, he will make sure I get there. Yeah. He does stuff that we can't even imagine. It's fascinating. If Jesus can feed the 5,000 just counting the men on bread and fish and bread and fish, it's not about the focus of, oh, how much do we have? The focus is what did he tell us to do? Because the outcome will be what he intended for it to be. If we're going to experience the miraculous, we have to step into the supernatural with our focus. Are you with me? This is the stuff.
stuff that God's calling us to, the exceedingly abundantly above, takes us stepping off the cliff and saying, I trust you completely, God. Is it going to be easy? Not at the beginning. Why? Because there's a fight for us. We know that Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The spirit of this age is saturated in mammon. Mammon is everywhere. Mammon particularly is the dominant principality over the Grand Prairie area. Did you know that? It's one of those things that makes people come here to get rich and leave here broken and destroyed. It sucks the life out of people. If we have been called to live here, we need to hate mammon. We have to love one and despise the other. We don't get to dance with both. We choose our source. We choose whose we are. Mammon literally is wealth personified. So it goes back to a Chaldean idol, wealth personified. It's the spirit, the deity behind this, which is not a god. It's a demon who is out there to maneuver the affection of your heart through wealth and finances. It demands loyalty, love, service. God says that we need to hate, despise the other. We don't get to love and, and provide for mammon and also walk in the direction of God's provision for our lives. It has to be a purposeful pursuit. It's one of the reasons that tithing is actually so great. That's a spiritual moment. When you make that decision, you're like, okay, God, I am partnering with you in the area of finances. It is an absolute kick in the teeth of mammon. Now, again, if this message is bothering you, I would highly recommend you book an appointment with one of the pastors because nobody's trying to get money from you. We're trying to release the blessing of God to you. We're trying to help you with that, right? We've lived it. We've experienced it on multiple occasions, but it wasn't easy at the beginning either. And even growing up in the church, I mean, I had, I grew up in a family um, that believed in tithing, taught on tithing. So if I got $10 allowance, it was expected that I was giving $1 in the offering. And sometimes I would shop. And so um, I would write a little list of tithe that I owe. And it would, it would add up. <laughs> To get my next allowance, another, whatever, however much. And some days it would hit that point where the tithe that I owe was way more than I was going to get in several allowances. And I would just pray and ask God to forgive the tithe that I owe and start fresh. And you know what? He did, right? It's not, God would, he's not like trying to get our money. He's trying to teach us. But I had to learn that when I was in that place of relationship with him, we never did without doesn't mean you get to buy whatever you want, whenever you want, whatever, but it means that you never do without. God is your source. But I want to give you a couple quick things. Now, you're just going to have to catch the notes on this one. Craig Hill uh, wrote a book called Wealth, Riches, and Money. And he said, he talks about 10 symptoms of mammon's influence in our lives. Not that mammon is dictating or governing us, but it's influencing us in some way. Number one, worry or anxiety over money. Why would that be an indicator that mammon is influencing? Because God says to never worry. Literally, he says, don't be concerned about it. Number two, money mismanagement. The wisdom of God is there for the provision that he provides. So when there's con consistent mismanagement, we know that mammon is he's badgering us a little bit. Uh, number three, consistent financial lack. 
isn't God's economy. Number four, and I can't afford it mentality. There's a difference between it's not in the budget right now and I can't afford it. You know, we'll never have it. That's for rich people. If, if we are constantly in that state, mammon is messing with our thinking a little bit. Impulse buying. Now, I am going to say there's probably a caveat for that. If you're shopping online at 3 o'clock in the morning, it could just be fatigue. But I bought more stuff on the Home Shopping Channel when my kids were babies than I ever needed. They were just brilliant things at 3.30 in the morning on TV. So, but impulse buying, it's not wise. It's not prayerfully thought out. It's just that impulse thing. Number six is stinginess. Stinginess. Number seven is greed, an inordinate desire to acquire or possess. Number eight is discontentment. Because the provision, we already talked about this, be content with what you have. That constant discontentment, it's the poke of mammon. Number nine, bondage to debt. Borrow a servant to the lender. Number 10, exaggerated emphasis on money including an overestimate of its true power or overstating the benefits of having it. So putting our trust, our hope in money is an indicator, a symptom of mammon's influences in our life. Luke 16, 10 to 12 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you can't handle shifting, if you're, if you're being manipulated consistently by mammon, it's going to be hard for God to release the blessings that he wants to release to you. If you have not been faithful with, with what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? In other words, what and how we uh, handle money indicates our heart. God is looking at our heart and how we handle his resources. Are we being driven by mammon or is the treasure of our life the things of the kingdom? Money is simply a tool. It's an inanimate object, but it is either being manipulated by mammon or the kingdom, influenced by, directed by one of those things. So we stay in that place. I want to finish this with this one section here in Matthew 6. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to read it with me. We're going to lean into this for just a minute here. Because this is, this is God's way of doing things. Thank you, Lord. Why is it that we can expect that God's people can find employment when there is a extremely high unemployment rate because it's God who gives us the ability to make wealth to enforce his covenant why is it that we can expect miracles to happen why is it we can expect you know hitting sale day on the things that we really need why is it that we can expect the things that are in our fridge to last a little longer than they technically should why is it that we can expect the multiplication of what it is God's given us that we we see our gas tanks last a little bit longer we see things you know that that normally should be breaking down don't break down like everybody else's are why can we expect that because God is our source 
not because we are anything special, but because he totally is. Matthew 6, starting at uh, 24 again, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You know, for every person who struggles with, well, God's just trying to get my money. Are you not of more value than they? It is God saying, like, honestly, I love you way too much to see you struggling like this. I love you way too much to see you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I love you way too much to see you have to claw your way to the top. He will open doors that no man can close. He will cause your gifts to bring you before great men. He will cause you to have influences in the places that he's intended for you to have influence. It's God's way of doing things. Are you of not more value? Then they, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I know for a fact there are literally testimonies in this house of God's clothing provision. Of kids that have hit a certain size. I mean, parents, you know, there's like this thing. It's like we put you to bed last night and you were one size and you woke up this morning and you need all new pants, all new shoes. What happened to your feet? You know, maybe that it wasn't in the budget. But somebody, you know, suddenly just calls up and it's like, you know, I, I noticed that uh, your kid's about my kid's size. Could you use some hand-me-downs? I've had people who are like literally um, just providing like, you know, I had the situation where, you know, I'm speaking somewhere and somebody provided for me to get a new outfit to speak. It was something I was self-conscious about and I, I hadn't even talked to anybody about it. God provides those things. Should we worry? No, it does no good. But trusting God that he cares, that he knows these things that we have need of, it's the love relationship that we have with him. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. It's not just that he knows. He knows, and he cares, and he wants to provide. God is not withholding going, well, I want to see how long you can go on that one pair of jeans. <laughs> how big can the holes get before you start falling out of them? Like, that's not God. That's just not God. It's just not. God cares about the issues of our life. Verse 33, and this is what it all comes down to. This is the big thing. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He wants our attention, our affections, the desire of our heart not to be on the, the latest polls, not to be on who said that your kids will never afford a house, on who said that the inflation is going to just drive people into poverty, on who said that the, the global economy is going to crash and people are going to be starving, that you can't pay your grocery bill, that you can't pay your heating bill. He, he said, don't focus on that stuff. 
Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. People might say to you, you are out of your mind. You need to be wise. You need to do some smart stuff. You need to, yeah, kingdom wisdom might not look like mammon's plan. It means that those who are operating around you who might be under the spirit of mammon may completely think you have lost your marbles. It's not your concern. What is God telling you to do? You're pursuing him. You know, he might be telling you to go on a missions trip. He might be telling you to, you know, purchase a certain thing. He might be telling you to sow into a certain area. He might be telling you that you're supposed to go to this school or be part of this situation. And you're like, I have no idea how that's going to happen. That's not your job. Your job is to say, I'm seeking you, your kingdom, your plans, your way of doing things. I am after you. I say yes to you, and I trust you to take care of the difference. How can I, how can I say that? Because this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? He literally just talked about where you, what you wear, what you eat, where you sleep, the, the basics, of, all these things will be added to you. Literally, that's what it says. This is the supply of heaven. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Today, we get to live worry-free. Do you have a solid retirement plan? No, it's okay. Trust God. You're seeking him. He will give you the wisdom to know what to do and how to proceed. Do you have the six months rent in your bank account? Maybe not. Trust God. Seek the king. I'm not saying be foolish with your finances. Please hear me on this. I'm saying worrying is not going to do you any good. Pursuing the kingdom will. This is God's plan for us. He will take care of his kids. So I'm going to have the worship team come, and I want to pray just over our finances in this house. You okay with that, guys? I know, I know it feels uncomfortable, but my goodness, so does bankruptcy, right? So does, so does worrying about if you're going to be homeless. It is not uncomfortable to talk about God's provision and his supply because he's a good God. The treasure of our life, the pursuit of our life, the hope of our life will determine where our heart is and where our heart is will indicate what or who has our worship. The outcome will be his if we're leaning into him. Let's stand together this morning. I know this is a big deal and I, you know, I don't mean to minimize or undervalue in any way the struggle that goes on on the inside. But I'm just telling you, if any of us, any of us think we can provide for ourselves, the, the, the Bible talks about these fleeing riches. Literally, do you know if you have a mortgage, your bank could call it at any time and say you need to pay the full thing? Like, there's just stuff that is fleeting, that's shifting, that's moving. These earthly systems are subject to change all the time. God never changes. And his care for you, his love for you, his concern for you is absolute. He wants to give you the ability to make wealth. And again, I'm not talking you necessarily have to have a jet and an oceanfront, whatever, and a, you know, I don't know. It, it just means that he's always going to meet your needs. Always going to meet your needs. 
I think it's interesting that like Elijah was down by the brook and God sent a raven to bring him food. He sent an angel to bring him cake. Maybe you're like, you're waiting to see what your employer is going to do. Well, I'm just saying God can get it to you. However he chooses, he can get it to you. If you're seeking him first, if he's the pursuit, if he's the source, if he's the treasure of your life. And so God, today, I just pray over this assembly. Lord, I thank you for every family, every person represented here. I thank you for those watching online. Lord, who you've compelled to be part of even this message today. And Lord, we can see that the earth is shaking. We can see that the systems of the world are shaking. We can see that mammon is screaming. We can see that fear wants our attention. We can see that the intimidation of the enemy is loud and proud right now. But God, we trust you. We thank you that it is you who gives us the ability to make wealth. It is you who is our source. We thank you for the words that came straight from the lips of Jesus saying, don't worry about this stuff. Don't worry about it. So right now, I just pray a release over your people to let go of the worries, to let go of the concerns, to let go of the cares. If that's you today and you just, you're like, man, I have been weighed down. Just figuratively, stretch your hands up, just release any cares, any concerns. We just release it to you, God. We put the weight of provision on you. We trust you to supply our needs, God. And we choose to take the affection of our heart and we put it just firmly on you. We're not going to love money. We're not going to love stuff. We're not going to pursue the dictates of mammon. But God, we trust in the one who has our best interest in mind. And Lord, we want just to be according to your word. We want to have the bread that we need to eat the seed that we need to sow and God enough to give to every good work. We want to be the blessers. We want to be the ones who walk out and we look for opportunities to release your goodness, God. And I pray that you would help us to grow in that area. Lord, that we'd be looking for opportunities. We'd be looking for places to sow. We'd be looking for places to give. Help us keep our eyes off of the concerns or the the dwindling bank account or whatever might be there. We determined to trust you, God. And we thank you according to your word that what you have promised you are faithful to do. And we receive from the good Father today. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. The Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or turning, God, we trust you. We walk in you. And God, we thank you for what you want to release through our hands, God. We look forward to seeing the blessing manifested that we could be a blessing. And we thank you for it today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woohoo! Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.